Girlfriends, episode number 103, Getting Real About Family Prayer with Alicia Hernan. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. In today's show, we're talking to the awesome Alicia Hernan about family prayer and what that looks like in real life with little kids, big kids, and all the stages in between. You're going to love this. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I am so glad you're here. It is a balmy Monday morning. I say balmy because it's actually a little later in the morning. Today's a day off Martin Luther King Day, and it's 27 degrees. Oh, my gosh. Last night was in the negative numbers, so this does feel particularly glorious compared to my living room <laughs> being in my car. Okay, I'm out in my car. You know I do this. Um, I've got a few people up in the house, and they're playing basketball. So, you know, not the best place to record. Um, but, yeah, we're enjoying a day off here. I'm not working, and Dan's not working today. So um, the kids are home from school. and. and I kind of thought I would use today to finally take the Christmas stuff down, but I haven't done it yet and I'm feeling incredibly, incredibly unmotivated. I don't know. I might still get to it. Are you one of those people who leaves it up till the baptism of the Lord and and is all, you know, <laughs> high and mighty about it? Like this is the proper way to celebrate Christmas. Um, I'm not, uh, but sometimes I end up doing that. <laughs> I always like to remember years ago, my friend Elizabeth Foss, her husband travels a lot for work. And there was a year back when blogging was the thing. I remember her blogging. This is probably like eight years ago, maybe more. I don't know. Anyway, um, she was waiting for her husband to come home because he likes to be the one, they have an artificial tree and he likes to be the one to pack up the tree. And she was waiting for him to be home and for it to be a good time for him to pack up the tree. Well, it kept not happening. And she wound up taking the Christmas ornaments off the tree and hanging paper hearts all over the tree for Valentine's Day. So I love that she did that. And she had this great spirit of patience and um, was a little bit not attached to doing things the right way, because sometimes that's what we do, right? We get in our own way that way. Um, so I'm trying not to do that, but I'd rather not have the tree up till Valentine's Day. I kept it up really late last year just because I was really busy and traveling a lot. And it just never even occurred to me like as a possibility until I did it on inauguration day. So I know it was late in January by the time that tree finally came down. But you know what? Um, I may get to it today. And part of what's going to motivate me if I do get to it today is I am feeling really cluttered in my house. The tree is still beautiful. We got a fresh tree and it's still, you know, the needles aren't falling or anything, but it just feels like there's so much stuff around. I still like my lights and we'll leave those up probably through the winter, but I don't like all the stuff anymore. The snow globes and the little Santas and I'm tired of them. <laughs> I need some space. I'd rather have some clear space on my counters and on my tables and on my windowsills and in my home. It will feel good. It'll feel clean. Um, so I'm needing to do that. It, this is a great time of year to do that. I think a lot of people do clean out closets and other kinds of places that collect clutter. I need to do that in multiple places in my home. 
One place that really suffered is my workout space, which we it's so weird. We call this room in, in our house the classroom because years ago when we were homeschooling a bunch of little kids, we had a whiteboard in there and Dan actually would do kids lessons in there. I never did kids lessons in there. It was not my thing. I'd rather sit on a couch with a book with a kid or sit at the dining room table and work on math problems or whatever. Um, it was never my thing to have a classroom, but we still call it the classroom, even though no classes take place in there. It's really my workout space. And there are random animals in there. We've got two mice uh, that the kids collected from the yard last year. I know you're probably not supposed to do that. I know they probably have a million germs. I don't let them handle them. And they are just super cute. And they they run on a little wheel in there. Um, We have a rabbit that I gave Juliet for her, I think, ninth birthday. And she is now 18. So uh, you can do that math. I don't know how long a bunny lives. This thing is looking really old. He kind of moves around slowly, but he's still cute. And the kids take him out and play with him. But I just feel like, okay, rabbit, I'd rather have that space that your hutch is taking up. That's terrible to say and think. But anyway, um, he's cluttering up my workout space. Also, uh, what else is in there? Fish. We've got a fish tank going in there. And, oh, yeah, lest I forget, the wild bird, which is, um, I think, a cowbird. Uh, Some people have looked it up. The kids saved this bird when it was a tiny baby bird years ago, probably four years ago now. I remember Dan and I were going out for the evening and the kids discovered that this nest had been, you know, attacked by some kind of predator. All the other babies had been taken or killed or eaten or whatever. And this little baby bird, I mean, tiny little, you know, you know what baby birds look like. They're really, they're like a little piece of flesh with like giant eyes, right? It was on the floor of the forest and the kids were so excited to find this and put it in a little shoebox. And they're like, can we take care of it, please, please, please? And I remember Dan and I were like on our way out and I was like, yeah, you can take care of it. It's going to die. Just so you know, it's going to die. You can take care of it um, until it dies. And lo and behold, here we are years later, four years, I think. And this bird is alive and well, and it sings in its cage and they bring it treats and they call it bird. They never bothered to name it. But um, so that's also in my workout space. And my workout space happens to be where the kids store all of their board games. I don't know. This is probably not the best system, but I'm glad they're all in one place. Um, Also, there's a couple of bookcases in there, uh, which, you know, aren't going anywhere. And it happened to be the catch-all for all through the holidays. Whenever there was something, we didn't know where to put it. Or when company was coming over, we need to clear space quickly. Everything got dumped in there. So that's my major project besides the tree, et cetera, is cleaning out my workout space because I am much less motivated to work out if I have to go and like, you know, carve out space in there. Or even if I have the space, which right now the floor is pretty clear and the area where I have like a weight bench and stuff is pretty clear. But there's still stuff everywhere. It's kind of unmotivating, kind of feels, uh, I don't know, (laughs) like the walls are closing in on you or something. So that's my challenge. What's your clutter challenge for the coming weeks? We all have them. Think of one. And um, I want to challenge you to tackle it during the coming week, whether it's a closet or a drawer or a shelf or a countertop or maybe your dining room table. I know sometimes that happens. Your dining room table becomes that catch-all. And before you know it, you can't even begin to think about having a family meal there because you can't even see the table. So um, if you've got something like that going on, (laughs) know you're not alone and let's take care of our clutter this week. I also wanted to mention flu season. Oh my gosh, my Facebook feed. I'm glad I can't catch germs through Facebook. Everybody's so sick. And I happened to click on a map from the CDC from, I think I saw it on Twitter or something, uh, that the flu is actually 
influenza, the real flu, is actually epidemic right now. Whatever qualifications they need to call it an epidemic, it has met them and it's going on. Um, we don't have it here yet and we all have had our flu shots and um, don't even try to convince me not to get it. I think we've talked about that here before. We are big time flu shot people uh, because I've had the flu. And um, I had the flu when I was pregnant with Danny in the worst way. And that was a winter to remember, let me tell you. And my son Ambrose, who has cystic fibrosis, wound up in the hospital. I probably should have been hospitalized. I look back on that time and how sick we were and how my family was depending on me to take care of them or to know when we need to call the doctor for an intervention. And I was just too sick to do it. I was just so sick. And I didn't, I was so sick, I didn't even know that I needed something or I needed to have somebody come in and kind of assess us and figure out like, oh, you know, so looking back, I was like, oh my gosh, Ambrose probably should have gone to the hospital much sooner than that. And, um, you know, I lost a ton of weight and I was in my second trimester and that was probably not best for me. Anyway, we survived, but I learned a lesson and we do always get our flu shot. And I know this year's is not very effective, um, but it does provide some protection um, but we do have a stomach virus. Ta-da! Kateri was up sick last night, my oldest. And uh, so we're just waiting for that to make the rounds. Um, stomach viruses are different from the flu. This is a pet peeve of mine. When someone's like, oh my gosh, we have the flu in our house. Well, no, no, really. I want to know, like, do you mean the flu flu? Because then I'm I'm getting away from you and I'm not going to, you know, hug you or whatever. I need to know. Or do you mean there's a stomach bug in your house? People use those sometimes interchangeably. And some people think of it all as the same thing. Like flu just means a sickness. To me, the flu is the flu. Don't use that word unless it's the flu. You know what I mean? Influenza. <laughs> We're serious about that. So anyway, I hope that you're well. If you do get the flu shot, I hope it works for you. If you don't, I hope all of your natural remedies and protections are working for you. And if you do get the flu, you can in those first, I think it's 24, maybe 48 hours, get Tamiflu, which doesn't work perfectly, but it can help reduce a lot of the symptoms. Um, two years ago, when I got the real flu, um, I quarantined myself in my house and Ambrose was living at home then. So I was really afraid he was going to get it. And they gave him Tamiflu. Um, his doctors did just sort of to, in case he had been exposed, he wasn't even feeling sick and he did very well. And nobody else actually got it because I refused to come out of my room. It was terrible for me, but, uh, best for the family. Well, actually, you know, the family suffered too, because I wasn't there doing all the things that I usually do. But, um, yeah, I do not kid around about the flu and I hope that you and your family are healthy and well. Um, we had an article on catholicmom.com this past week, and it was actually, it spoke to my heart. I shared it on Facebook. If you want to go to my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Danielle Bean, just scroll down just a little bit. And it's one of those shared articles. Um, it spoke to my heart about fear of illness during the flu season, because that's an, an anxiety that I really do struggle with. Trusting God to take care of my family, even if we get sick. I am really afraid of sickness, not the everyday colds and all of that, and not even just, you know, a casual stomach bug it doesn't bother me. But having had, you know, bad experiences with Ambrose getting hospitalized from even minor infections sometimes. I do still have this fear in my heart sometimes, and I'm fearful now that he's away from home and I can't control his environment and I can't be there telling him, you know, wash your hands every 10 minutes or whatever it is, but I can text him and trust me, I do that. <laughs> anyway, I hope that you have a peace of heart and mind with regard to illness in your children. It's something that's really hard to trust the Lord with. 
Okay, moving on to this week's topic. I cannot wait to share Alicia Hernan with you. She was on the show before. She was back on episode number 57 as a guest back then. I absolutely love Alicia and her husband, Mike, who do the Messy Parenting Podcast. Such awesome people. And I know you're going to love this interview because you know what? After I had the conversation with her, we hung up and I just felt so encouraged and gratified by our conversation, just personally, like I had been talking to a friend who really kind of helped me shape my perspective about family life and my own spirituality and the ways in which we compare ourselves to others. She's such an encouraging and optimistic voice of realism in this whole Catholic parenting thing. So I know you're going to love it, and I'm not going to put it off any further. So take a listen to my recent conversation with Alicia Hernan. Hello, everyone. Today's a great day on Girlfriends because the wonderful Alicia Doman Hernan is joining us today. We are so excited to have her here with us. Alicia Doman Hernan lives in Steubenville, Ohio, with her husband, Michael, and their 10 children. In addition to being a mom, Alicia is the director of Mary Seat of Wisdom Classical Community, a nonprofit organization which offers support and resources for homeschooling families from preschool through high school, including a full-time Montessori school. Alicia and Mike co-host the popular Messy Parenting Podcast, which offers encouragement to parents who are trying to live as Catholics and raise their children intentionally. Hello, Alicia. Welcome back to Girlfriends. Oh, thank you so much. And you know, and I have to say, I, I think in the bio it says Doman Hernan, but I just it's Alicia Hernan. I don't okay. want not that there's anything wrong with a hyphenated name, but no. <laughs> but we all yeah. want to know you're a Doman because many people are familiar with your sister and her work. Yes, and yes. um so my brother Martin and I I have this famous family. Yes, you know, famous so awesome family that you're gonna want to <laughs> check out. And we've had Regina on, so um oh, definitely cool. check that out in our archives. But Alicia, you were on, um I looked it up before we got on here. Episode number 57, if you want to hear Alicia's first appearance on Girlfriends. Um, But today we're going to be talking about family spirituality, what prayer life can look like inside of a family, especially a large and busy family. We all kind of struggle with those same things, I think, as families wanting, wanting to do what's right and raise our children well in the faith and give them a firm foundation of faith. But then when it comes to the nitty gritty, like, how do I actually do that? And I love, Alicia, I think you're the perfect person to talk to about this because um, you guys, if you're not listening to Messy Parenting, get on there and listen because (laughs) Alicia and Mike are so great because I, and I just want to thank you for this, for being real, Alicia. Yeah, that's what a lot of people say. (laughs) That is what we need in our church and just in our our family lives. Like, hey, admit that it's hard and laugh about it when you can and and don't make that an excuse to not try harder. You know, I think that that's so great. So you guys are so great at doing that. Um, Your bio mentions raising your children intentionally. Maybe we could start there. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that a lot of that, um, the idea of being intentional really Mm -hmm. came from my own parents. Um, You know, you mentioned my family of origin, Doman family. I'm I'm the second of 10 children. And, um, And I, of course, when we raise our own children and when you become a parent, for good or for bad, we a lot of times look back to where, how we were raised, you know, and you think, oh, I do want to do this or I don't want to do this, you know, we make choices. And when I looked back at what my parents did, I recognized that they really did not take things for granted. Mm -hmm. They did not take for granted the fact that they brought us to church every Sunday. So of course we would know it's awesome to be Catholic and understand the mass, Sure, you know, they, they didn't just, um, assume 
that they could do things and bring us to stations of the cross and bring us to adoration. But they also, in addition to doing those things, which are so important and a vital source of grace, they also took the time to have, which Mike and I do, to talk to our kids Mm -hmm. like around the dinner table for them to see us praying, for us to say, for Mike and I to be like, okay, we're going to have family prayer this this Sunday at two o'clock and we send out a text to all of our adult children, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what we're doing, you know, but to not just float along, sure. but to instead sometimes as a couple, you know, as the foundation of your family come together and be like, okay, wait a minute, what are we doing now? You know, right. and have that conversation because I think that a lot of really awesome people who love the church can sometimes think, oh, I can just do the Catholic quote stuff mm-hmm. without being vulnerable with my children, without right. sharing with them, without opening my mouth and speaking to them. And, you know, especially when they're teenagers, which sometimes can be tough, oh, yeah. but to pursue that relationship with our kids in an intentional way in a thinking way and not just going along with the, um, the tide, so to speak. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And being raised in a large family myself, I can relate to a lot of what you're talking about, that there is that kind of temptation to be like, we're doing all the right things, they're just going to absorb it, right? And, and you know, what? to some extent, there's truth in that, like being surrounded by these truths, and these things that are no brainers inside of your family life. That's a really valuable thing. But I love that you're bringing in that other aspect, which is equally valuable, which is, and I love that you say being vulnerable with your children, which, which is why it's so hard sometimes because yeah. you're you're mm-hmm. called to do that and to share your faith in a way that does make you vulnerable and some people are really uncomfortable with that. What would you say to somebody who maybe wasn't raised in a family with any kind of faith life because I I hear from these people all the time and I really feel for them because yes. they're so they're starting from scratch, right? And so it's like mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. do I begin? I know there's a lot of feeling of overwhelm. What would be your your words of encouragement to somebody like that? All right, the first thing that I would say is that you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's really where, and it seems in some ways to be a no-brainer, but I really think that that needs to be said more and more because yeah. that personal relationship with Jesus is what continually motivates me to pursue prayer, to pursue my husband, to pursue holiness. And it, it, it's not just an abstract goal like, fitness or exercising, you know, right? Like, sure, sure. Like, which, are, which are also good things, but it's a person, it's a relationship with the person of Jesus. And I think that we, a lot of times, if we're too, um, we need to start with ourselves. Okay. Right. So a lot of times we focus on, oh, I need to get my kids to heaven. I need to, I need to talk to them about Jesus, blah, blah, blah. I need to, right. wait a second. You, you need to first realize that this vocation of parenthood and motherhood is a path to your personal holiness mm-hmm. um, and fatherhood as well, because I'm sure you have guy listeners. We as do well. have a few, <laughs> some of them even willing to share their names with us. <laughs> but that path to holiness needs to start with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if you are uh, new to the faith and you're raising your kids and you want to build a good Catholic home, the first encouragement that I would say is that you need to make pr- your personal prayer a priority, right. whether that means getting up early to pray or whether that means um, stealing out to go to early morning mass by yourself while your husband watches the kids, 
or going to a once a week holy hour to really nurture your relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. Because especially when your children see you doing that, they see you when they're in their pajamas, you're leaving to go to mass or you're leaving to go to holy hour. Mm -hmm. So that is not, you're not directly praying with them, but that's going to have a big impact on them because they see mom is modeling this relationship. Oh, why is she doing, you know, it's kind of like, that's something that is absorbed. Mm -hmm. So if for someone who's new to this raising a Catholic family thing, (laughs) right. I would say, start with your own personal prayer Mm -hmm. and really go deep in there. And then the Lord will guide you. Like he will, he will reveal to you how you need to speak to your children. Like I remember, because my parents were both raised in, um, like my dad was kind of like an anomaly Catholic home and Mm -hmm. my mom was like an Italian Catholic. Her whole world was the church. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Because being in an Italian community. Um, but when they got married, they weren't like dynamic Catholics. Mm-hmm. but they had an experience of the Holy Spirit through the charismatic renewal in the 70s. And that brought them into a whole new level of relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that spilled over into our family life. And the one thing I remember, like talking about being vulnerable with your kids, I remember my dad, um, who is a recovering alcoholic, yeah. sitting at the dinner table and just saying, and just saying to all of us kids, he was like, I just love Jesus so much. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he would say stuff like that all the time. I love it. <laughs> and he would just be like, oh, guys, I am such a sinner. And I just recognize God really loves me. Like he would just, he's obviously an external process. Sure, you know? right, so, right. <laughs> and not every man is like that, you know. Sure. <laughs> but as a child, to hear your father right. say things like that, you know. So powerful. Like, it was it was very it, it really had a huge effect um, on all of us and so so yeah, anyway I think that that is so important and and me too I I have memories of my own dad who who sounds like he's very different from your dad he never would have sat at the table and said that <laughs> but I've shared about him on the podcast in the past about how he was this you know and he still is this college professor this uh, you know high intellect guy that I admired in so many intellectual ways throughout my life and looked up to and yet this man would get down on his knees and pray his rosary every single day. Exactly. And exactly. that spoke volumes to me that, right. you know, faith isn't separate from reason in any way, shape or form. Here's this man who's so smart in so many ways. And he has this beautiful relationship with Our Lady. Like, I want to know what that's all about, you know? Exactly. And I think just, I mean, the role of fathers, I just think just cannot be underestimated um, or cannot be overestimated because it is, just the fact fact of seeing your tall, strong dad on his knees, right? On his knees, maybe even before a statue of a, a little young woman, right? Like that's a really powerful thing for a young person to see that act of humility of being on your knees. And so, there's lots of ways that we can communicate that to our kids, you know, because mm-hmm. everybody has different personalities, everybody right. has different spiritualities and ways of expressing their faith. But I think that. In every expression of faith, we are all called to an intimate relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, and we're called to reveal that to our children. Right. And I think that's a great place to start because it's a model and it's an, an inspiration uh, for them 
to form their own relationship, you know, with the Lord. Sure. So. Yeah, great points. And, you know, I, I love that you point out that people have different personalities, and that's okay. Because I think sometimes yes. you think, I've got to fit this mold. Like, this is the Catholic mom mold. And yes! I need to, I need I to like, that. squeeze myself into it somehow, even though I'm terribly uncomfortable oh. inside of it. Like, you know, yes. God made you perfectly you, and he made you the mother of your children. I think we need to remind ourselves of that. Because even I do have to remind myself sometimes, like, no, no. Because I'll be challenged by some, some new person I meet that does this, you know, cool and inspiring thing that I never in a million years could do or feel comfortable doing with my kids or whatever. Yep. And you get distracted by that. And yet it's right. important to remember you starting, like you said, with your your relationship with Jesus, which is going to be deeply intimate and personalized in a very unique way. And everything else kind of flows from that. Right. Um, you know, I found that the more I have that relationship with Jesus and the more I focus on it and work on it, the more it flows into the other relationships in my life in a way that feels very natural and normal. I don't have to put words in my mouth that feel uncomfortable. Well, the one when you talk about different personalities, the one thing that I struggle with, which I like envy other people about is, <laughs> is consistency. Mm -hmm. And that is, is just a challenge. And I think sure. that that's sometimes where Catholic moms too can get caught up in like, oh, we need to do this every day. We need to do this daily. And some people, like I have my, Regina's husband, my sister Regina, her husband Andrew, mm -hmm. is literally, literally the most consistent person <laughs> I have ever met. He is just absolutely dedicated to a rhythm of prayer every day. And I know that's a huge blessing for his children. Sure. And Mike and I just kind of look at that and we're like, <laughs> yeah, well, I, it will never be us. <laughs> I know, I know. And and sometimes, like you just said, we can really get we look at other people and we really get down on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we say, "Oh, I can never do that. I can whatever." And that is really the wrong response in a lot of ways mm -hmm. because I think that um first of all, we can use other people's example to certainly be inspired and to certainly, you know, try to strengthen those weak parts of sure. our personality, you know, and things like that. But also to realize that, hey, sometimes consistency is overrated, you know, mm -hmm. like, sure. I, I may look at, again, looking back at my parents, they were not consistent about anything. Mm -hmm. Like they were not as far as like any kind of regular thing. I mean, of course, we went to mass every Sunday and things like that. Sure. You know, we've tried tried different things at different times. And Mike and I basically have come to come to peace mm -hmm. <laughs> with the fact that, you know what, it's okay sometimes if that is your personality to go in spurts to say, okay, for these, you know, that's why like periods of time like Advent yeah. or Lent are so awesome because we can say, okay, for Advent, we are going to do this, you know, mm -hmm. this period of time. It's a great opportunity. Right. And so then we can, you know, okay, we're going to do this for now. Or like when we were preparing for the um, anniversary, 100th anniversary of Fatima, mm -hmm. you know, we said, hey, we're going to say the rosary, you know, every day in September and October, which is a big thing for us because right. we usually don't, aren't that consistent. And we didn't do it 100% of the time. But we did it a lot. Yeah. And, and it was a very good challenge for our family. So I think that, you know, like when we look at other people's personalities, like you just said, you've got to be really careful to not get down on yourself, but also to, to allow yourself to be challenged and say, okay, well, how can I um, do something different, you know, and kind of work that muscle for a little bit. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's okay to do different things at different times. So sometimes we'll do evening prayer. Sometimes we'll say the rosary. Sometimes we, you know, we'll sing songs or, you know, yeah. and it's okay 
mix it up sometimes Absolutely. as long as you continue walking on the road because the danger is when you get discouraged, then the evil one can come in there and lie to you and just say, you'll never do it. You'll never do it. And then sometimes we just want to stop trying. Right. And that's not what God wants, of course. Of course. Great reminders. I think, you know, as you were describing all of that, and I, I love that you're sharing that your family doesn't pray the rosary every day, because I think that's a standard. <laughs> I think it's a standard that people have like, okay, I'm failing because we're not doing that. And, um, you know, what What about, Alicia, I think um, there's a nice comparison here in my mind that came out as you were describing that between like fitness goals and your spiritual fitness um, yes. with regard, like healthy living, like that can look in a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. People have different True. preferences, different tendencies, different physical needs and that kind of thing. And there's no one right path, although some diet books would probably try to tell you for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. And I find that I've done that certainly in my own kind of fitness journeys through life, like um, through whatever I'm going to do for nutrition or, or, or exercise. It's like, I'll vary what I'm doing, or I'll get into one thing for a while and think it's yep. awesome. And then I'll get bored and I'll move on. Or you might be like training for a race <laughs> and then you do something else and, and then you get lax. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I need something to pull me back in. And um, I think that that very much does parallel our spiritual journey, especially as a family that's constantly in flux and changing. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to be ready. Um, what you just said to, uh, to, be flexible to adjust to the different phases in your life mm -hmm. that are changing. Like, I, I mean, having a new baby. Oh my gosh, those first three months. Oh my you know, gosh, all bets are off. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. You're just like, Lord, have mercy on me. Like, that's my <laughs> prayer. You know, <laughs> so much. true. And and that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. You know. And now that I am not in a period of life where I'm having babies all the time, my youngest is five, which seems like amazing to me because right. I had these 18 years of God's crazy. Yep children. But I look back and I realize, you know, God was with me. He's not going to abandon me right. just because I haven't got it together to pray. the Or every time I pray the rosary when I'm nursing the baby, I'm falling asleep. Right. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to abandon me. He loves me and he looks down on me loving these children and doing the best I can. And he looks at me with love, mm -hmm. you know, and, and life is long and I can still go to the fountain of grace. Thank God every Sunday, you know, that I thank you. I'm so grateful the church requires that because right. sometimes that was all that I had sure. was to be able to go to mass on Sunday and praise God that that is something that the church in her wisdom tells us to do. Right. But there's other times in my life, like now when I can pray more, I am going to daily mass. You know, I can pray every day. And and it's it's good now as well, but I still have to look kind of like with mercy on on myself, you know, on those times of my life when um it was just really crazy. Right. <laughs> and I difficult. Know. And you that's know. okay. Yeah, I know. And I, I like that. And it's important to remember um, that as our family lives are changing, um, sometimes it's going to get more challenging, even though we don't have those babies anymore. Um, as you were describing that, I'm thinking of my own life with like adult children, teens, everything in between. Ah. And, and it's no longer <laughs> like, yeah, it comes with its own challenges when you're exhausted and you're, you've got n babies and toddlers and nursing and all of that going on. That's its own set of distractions. But I look back on those days and sometimes that's the person I'm tempted to compare myself to is that woman then and how she had all those children under the same roof all day, every day, had complete control of the schedule. And now 
what the heck? They're going out in the world and doing stuff and they've got all these different commitments. What do you say to parents of teens? Like sometimes teens are even um, rebellious a bit or resentful or um, push back against when you're trying to establish kind of family prayer routines. Absolutely. Um, That is definitely a very challenging time to get your teenagers to pray. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Now, one thing that we started doing is, um, and I'm sure, and and again, I mean, this is just what we did. I'm not saying other people may not choose to, to go this route, but we decided that we would not pray daily or not even try to pray daily as a family, Mm -hmm. but instead we would pray with the little kids when they, when we put them to bed and then we would have a separate time of prayer with our older children. Ah, And yeah, and I've given that advice to several other families and it seems to really work because sometimes those older kids in big families can get frustrated with the little ones or distracted by them. And Mm -hmm. also you as parents, if you're trying to involve the little ones, you're missing the older ones. Sure. And so when we would invite, we would, so we would do prayer at, um, nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after all the little kids were in bed and if anyone who's teenagers and little kids know, I mean, what I've experienced is that all of a sudden after the little kids are in bed, the teenagers start like emerging from their holes, you know, <laughs> and, like, coming out to get snacks or yep. to watch TV or, you know, yep, too true. and then we would, and that's when we would grab them to pray in an adult manner. And so we would um, sometimes pray the rosary and share their intentions. And, and even if they, we had, we've had children who did not want to participate and we just made them come. I mean, they're still under our roof. We would just say, well, you need to sit here. We wouldn't make them share their intentions or whatever, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but they would come and be there and we would pray together. Sometimes we would do scripture Sometimes we just ask them, what do you guys want to do? What's mm-hmm. your favorite kind of prayer? You know, and if they say, oh, we want to do a Divine Mercy Chaplet. But sometimes I'd be like, do you just want to do that because it's shorter? You know, <laughs> 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 but, you know it's like, okay, let, let's go ahead and do that. If that's what you want to do to kind of invite them in right. to um, give them some kind of choice and really treating them like an adult and not lumping them in with their younger siblings. Mm-hmm. Um all the time. Sure. So obviously sometimes that very often family unity is extremely important and it's extre- it's important to come together as a family. But when you're experiencing difficulty with your teens, I think a lot of times what teenagers want is they want to be treated like an adult mm-hmm. and they want they're looking for respect. Right. And, and and I think that there are ways that we can reach out to them and meet them halfway instead of just saying, "Hey, it's my way or the highway." which a lot of times with kids, you know, especially teenagers does not go over too well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's saying, Hey, I want to invite you in here. What do you want to do? How do you want to pray? Let's do this together. You know, and mm-hmm. even if it's something short, at least it's establishing that this is important to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've said to my teenagers, sometimes like if they're, you know, when they're going on retreat or if we're having a talk because they've been particularly rebellious or disobedient, and just say, I just say to them all the time, all I want is for you to know Jesus. That's mm-hmm. all I want. That is my goal in life is I want to get to heaven and I want you to be there with me. I just want you to know Jesus. And he's mm-hmm. the only one that's going to make you happy. And sometimes that is met with, you know, they their eyes look away. Sometimes they wouldn't totally respond. Right. But I just, but I know that as we say that over and over and over again, we've had several teenagers turn into 
wonderful adult children. <laughs> <laughs> it can <laughs> happen. It can happen, yes. <laughs> we'll kind of like come to the other side, you know, yep. so to speak, though we really felt like sometimes we're never going to get there, you know, but, um, sure. but I think that we have a responsibility, whether they choose the Lord or not, it, mm-hmm. it matters. You have a responsibility before God to communicate your values to your children. And we have to recognize they're going to make their own choices and we just need to continue to pray for them. But our responsibility is not the outcome because they have to make their own choice. Mm -hmm. Our responsibility is the process of communicating our values and praying for them and being an example for them. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's very powerful. I think that that's so important. And I love that you talk about kind of getting them through to the other side, (laughs) because I've experienced it myself. And I remember with one of my sons in particular, when I was new with the whole teen mom thing, and um, I, I just... I, I was beside myself and just kept thinking, where's that little boy, that little seven-year-old who is so uh, sweet and so yeah. good and, and yet fully understanding on some level, knowing he's in there. It's yep. my job to protect him right now and get him through till he can come back out, you know? And I think it's important for us as parents of teens to see that, especially when we're trying to help them with their spiritual needs, that those needs do shift and they do change in our role, our consistency and our example is so powerful, even though yep. you don't know it in every minute, you're not, you know, you're not being reassured that mm-hmm. you're being heard. And, um, and, and that doesn't mean it always turns out for the best. I, you know, I, I've seen so many great families, great parents and absolutely it's that darn free will thing that God yep. had some idea to give our kids for some reason. And now, <laughs> now we have to deal with it. But um, I, I love that. That's very encouraging that you share about that. Um, and I, I always think that, you know, um, in there are dark times, I would just think I, we keep saying this over and over again in a gentle, loving way. Some at some time in their deepest, in their darkest moment, they will, they can fall back on that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they'll remember, maybe this will come back to their mind. Oh, mom always said I could turn to the blessed mother yep. or mom always said this particular scripture or dad would always encourage me to just open the Bible and just read whatever verse my eyes fell on or whatever. Like mm-hmm. you never know, you never know. And maybe that won't happen until they're 30, right. you know, like we don't know, but that's why it's our responsibility just to continue to to communicate, like mm-hmm. continue to communicate and just, you know, leave the decisions up to them and uh, up to God in many ways. So. Absolutely. Such great yeah. advice. Okay. So we've talked about praying with teens, praying with little kids, praying okay. yourself. You know, we haven't talked about couples praying together. And now <laughs> I'm sure people listening are like, how many sessions of prayer do I need to have in my day? <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs> but maybe you could just um, share a little bit about what that looks like in your marriage and what your approach is to it. All right. Um, praying together. I think that Mike and I, um, usually to be honest with you, we pray separately. Like we have our own time of prayer mm-hmm. and sometimes we'll, you know, Mike will share with me if it's something that he's prayed about that, um, that he feels like is something that's for us as a couple. Yeah. Um, and if certainly when it comes to areas of discernment in our family, mm-hmm. um, we will, you know, pray about those things and then talk about them. And I feel like our most powerful times of prayer is when we're able to go to mass together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike would, even when we had really little kids, Mike would always sit next to me during mass. Um, you know, and I know yeah. some couples have like mom on one side, dad on the other. The kids <laughs> you lock them in. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> Mike never liked that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he always wanted to sit next to me mm -hmm. during mass. And then we just, whatever, kind of made it work. As if, except sure. if one of us had to leave with a crying child or whatever. Right. But, um, but that is, I have found that where we're together and holding hands during mass or holding hands when we pray after communion, that that is a very powerful time when I really feel like it's a, an action in our body language and everything of submitting to the Lord mm -hmm. and coming before him to give him our family yeah. and ask for his blessing. Um, you know, before we go to bed at night, a lot of times, you know, Michael, again, it's the consistency thing. Like sure. we're not like, we don't pray together every night before we go to bed, but a lot of times before we close our eyes, you know, that's Michael try to do that. We'll, you know, say in our father together, we'll do an examination mm -hmm. of conscious and just continually encouraging each other on that road. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes that does mean the two of us pray, especially when we were first married, we prayed together every night because mm -hmm. we didn't have the children. Right. <laughs> have children who could interrupt us. You know, we were the family. Much you know, easier. We, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, we prayed together every night, every morning. Um, and now we do that less so because like you said, how many sessions of prayer can you have? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but we definitely join together in prayer, in speaking to each other and encouraging each other to mm -hmm. pray and helping each other find that time to pray right. as well. Especially when the kids were little, I really needed his support you know, like I said before, if he could watch the kids so I could go to mass or vice versa or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think that that's how we really support each other in prayer, though I know that looks different for every couple. Sure. Um, so. Yeah, I think yeah. that's important because, you know, especially when you're talking about a couple, you're talking about your husband's temperament and you do need to take that into account. Um, right. I know some women feel really frustrated. Either their husband doesn't share their faith or he's resistant to the idea of praying together. And it's easy to fall into that idea of like, okay, I'm a failure. Our family's not going to turn out the way it's supposed to because, you know, he's not stepping into this role the way I want him to. But, you know, God gave you that spouse. <laughs> so he That's knows, right. he knows all about it, you know? Right. And so I find there's a lot of encouragement in thinking that and then, you know, maybe just working with what your your husband is willing or interested in doing. And um, one thing that occurred to me when you were talking about these different kinds of seasons and things you try it with family prayers, that's very applicable to couple prayer too, to make it kind of, yep. you know, not this huge commitment, be like, would you pray this novena with me? you know, yep. for the next nine mm -hmm. days for this intention or, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I find that that's really a great way to kind of connect spiritually. And I love that you share about going to mass together and that counts, you know, absolutely. And, um, yes. Something yeah. Dan and I love to do is, and we haven't done it. So this is a good reminder. It's been a while. Um, a confession date, like go to yes. confession and then go out like it's Saturday afternoon, go, you know, go do something awesome. and go to dinner or whatever. And I love those opportunities to be alone together and really just kind of side by side, you know, in the pew, just kneeling before yes. our God and receiving, receiving his grace in that way. It's beautiful. Absolutely. And I think for those women who would like to see their husbands take more of a leadership role in your home, I think really it has to start with asking him to lead mm -hmm. and then allowing him to lead. Right. And if, and if he, you know, says, okay, I'll, we'll do family prayer. We'll all say an our father together standing in the, in the kitchen before the kids walk out the door, say, awesome. Great. Yeah. You know, even though if that's not what you want, if you ask him to lead, yeah. 
you got to let him lead. (laughs) (laughs) So hard sometimes because we have our own set way that we think it's supposed to look. But you're right. That's such a great point. Like allow him to lead. Allowing him to lead doesn't look like hitting him over the head with uh, what you think all his failures are and shortcomings. (laughs) Not really encouraging stuff, but we're so we're so um, prone to doing that, I think, sometimes. Yeah. And I think that that's also the danger of holding up other people as like, oh, this is what a Catholic couple should look like. This is what it should be like. Because then if you try to hold up your husband to that standard and he doesn't hold up to that, that, how is that helpful? Like that's not helpful to him. It's not helpful to you. You know, you have to be willing to say, look, if I'm going to ask my husband to be the spiritual head of our home, he's going to do it the way that he would like to do it. Right. You know, and then I, I want to be supportive of that and then grow together, you know, Mm -hmm. through that. Yeah. Yeah. So hard to do. It sounds so simple. Well, Alicia, before we run out of time, I want to be sure people can find you because I'm sure after listening to you, if they haven't already listened to your podcast, they're going to want to know more. So where can they hear more about what you and Mike are doing? Yeah, we have our website, messyparenting.org. And then you can also go to um, our Facebook page. And that's I think a lot of people um, listen on our Facebook page. Actually. Okay, great. Um, and Actually, you know what? It, this is so awful, but I'm like, I am. It is messyparenting.org, right? Yes, <laughs> it is. I looked it up before I, we got on. So, yeah, it's messyparenting.org. You and can, then you can also subscribe on iTunes um, and Stitcher as well. Okay. So, yeah. Great. So, those great. are the ways that people can find us. And we, we love to hear from people. You know, we have, um, you, you can be a Patreon or you can sponsor a podcast. People, send us a sponsorship, and then we will talk about whatever they want us to talk about. (laughs) Nice opportunity to get all your burning questions answered from experienced parents who are (laughs) in the trenches right along with you. (laughs) Well, thank you, Alicia Hernan, for coming on today. We've loved having you, sharing your wisdom, and I hope we'll be able to have you on again soon. Oh, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thanks so much, Danielle. Hey, do you like what we do here? Do you appreciate having access to girlfriends every week? Is it helpful or encouraging to you in your everyday life? Well, if so, there's a convenient way that you can say thank you for the Girlfriends Podcast and encourage me to continue to record it. Patreon is a simple system that allows you to pledge your support for this podcast, show your appreciation, and encourage its production every week at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash girlfriends. You can make a pledge in any amount. Even just a dollar per episode makes a real difference and is a simple way to show your support for girlfriends. If you'd like to show your support in this way, please go to patreon.com forward slash girlfriends to find out so much more. Thank you. I also want to take a moment to thank Ascension for partnering with me to bring you this podcast. You can check out all of their podcasts and other free Catholic media that will entertain, inspire, and educate you about your faith at ascensionpress.com. Click on channels to get all that amazing content. Okay, so admit it. You love Alicia. (laughs) You loved it. I know you did. (laughs) Anyway, um, if you want to share some thoughts about what Alicia and I talked about or how family prayer works in your life, what your particular challenges or struggles are with it and how you've overcome them, or if you want some help overcoming them, let us know. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Connect with me on social media. Leave me a Voxer or like this listener did, you can send me a voicemail by email. Listen up. Hello, Danielle. This is Sue from North Carolina. 
And I want to say God love you for that wonderful podcast of beating the post-holiday blues, period. I have been experiencing everything you described, eating chocolate and sweets like no tomorrow, uh, feeling sluggish and sleepy, etc., etc., and beating myself up over it. And just to hear another person say they're going through the same thing and it's okay felt me, made me feel so much better. And I'm going to try the things that you suggested, period. Uh, you are on my prayer list. God is listening to the prayers because your podcasts are just getting better and better. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate everything you do. Take care. Thank you so much for that, Sue. And Sue, I love you. You must transcribe things from voice to text a lot because I love how you put periods in there <laughs> just for our grammatical clarification while we're listening. Um, I think that's great. And I do that same voice to text thing. I That's how I text people most of the time. Uh, Google, is it Google? No, it's my iPhone, is amazing because it's pretty much accurate 100% of the time. I have a friend who uh, is from South Korea and she has a pretty heavy accent and it doesn't work quite so great for her. She told me, I didn't think I had an accent until I tried doing voice to text. Um, but I find that if you speak clearly and slowly the way that Sue did, it works great. Anyway, thank you, Sue, for that feedback and for letting me know that I haven't been alone in the post-holiday slump. Um, I hope you're getting out of it. It's a great time of year to do that. Fresh start in January. And one thing that I found as I've been making my small steps in the right direction, um, reigning in my diet, uh, not buying certain things at the grocery store because I know I'm just going to eat it all and I'm going to regret it. Um, making little moves like that in the right direction. Um, I, I find that it just takes one small thing for you to feel amazing. At least me. I don't know. Maybe I'm one of those obnoxiously positive people. But, you know, I just, you know, I managed to get a treadmill workout in and I feel awesome for the rest of the day. Or I had, um, you know, a, a healthy breakfast and a healthy lunch, or I didn't drink diet soda for a day or whatever, you know, your small goal is, celebrate it, enjoy it. And I find it leads to other things. The same way you can take those steps in the wrong direction and one leads to another and pretty, pretty soon you're thinking, oh, who even cares anyway? Um, you can take steps in the right direction, small ones that aren't too painful. And one good choice leads to another good choice leads to another. It's really very true. And I find that it's it's just very empowering and uh, gives me a lot of positive energy when I start making those small right choices. And when I take the time to note them and celebrate them, even though to somebody else, it might seem pathetic, whatever small thing I've accomplished that day. Um, but that's the importance, just like Alicia was talking about this episode, the importance of not comparing yourself to other people and really celebrating your own successes. I, I want to encourage you, um, not just you, Sue, but definitely you, Sue, and everybody else listening to take the time to celebrate your small successes this week in whatever area of your life you're looking to improve. It may not be with um, health and fitness or nutrition, it might be some other part of your life that you're looking to improve this year. Celebrate Celebrate your small steps in the right direction. Allow yourself to feel good about that and then move on to make the next right choice in whatever area of your life we're talking about. 
So if you want to leave me a voicemail like Sue did, you can just email it to me. I think Sue just recorded that right on her phone, which you can do with voice memo. And then email it to me, Danielle at DanielleBean.com. Or you can connect with me on Voxer. You know, I love those Voxes. Voxer's a fun app that kind of turns your phone into a walkie-talkie. We can get instantly connected. You can find the link to connect with me on Voxer in the show notes for every episode of the Girlfriends Podcast at DanielleBean.com. And I want to just thank you for being here. Thanks for being a part of what we do here at Girlfriends. Thank you for listening week after week. Thank you for all your feedback. But most importantly, just thank you for your presence. We pray for one another here. And you are an important part of this community of Girlfriends. So thank you for that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day. And God bless your week. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth. Find your joy. Find your joy.